0: Double H-U-L-L-C-I-T-Y. 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 That's
1: Hello and welcome to a special mid-season review episode of The Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Dan and Logan. How are you guys? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Starting to feel in the uh, festive mood.
2: I'm doing well as well, Alex and um, and Dan, yeah. It's, it's kind of and also kind of not. It's half festive and half uh, tense, I guess, is probably the, the best way to sum up how things are at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, look, I mean, before we get onto the city news, um, you know, it was, it was, you um, uh, uh, I don't know the word for it, but when we when we signed off with the wise men Say guys and I was sort of wishing them all the best and, and, and hoping that they could stay safe because we were doing quite well down here but not so well over in England, it's, it was almost the next day that we um, started to get some pretty bad news down here and particularly in your neck of the woods, Logan. So, um, you know, sort of fingers crossed that everything works out with you guys and, and you guys can have a pretty decent Christmas, but um, as you say, pretty tense at the moment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, it's all changed really quickly. I think I started to hear a bit of the scare tactics, or at least that's what I labelled the the new stories. And then uh, just amazing to see how quickly things can change. Um, with the with this spike in cases, and then all of a sudden, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, my area is is back down into a, a lockdown uh, till at least this time Wednesday midnight. So, yeah, yeah really. Wow interesting but um you know it's when you consider uh, how how good we have it compared to uh the many other places in the world it's um reminds us of how fortunate we are but also i guess how, how dangerous and how um i guess entrenched this thing still is
1: yeah definitely and look there's a few cases in my suburb as well i think so i'm sort of keeping an eye out on the news every so often to um to make sure that you know everything's still okay. I'm I'm heading into work tomorrow for instance, so for me it's pretty much life is as usual at the moment um but obviously want to do everything I can to make sure that Christmas is um safe and as normal as possible. Um we've actually just also got Brad who's just joined us so I'll add him in now. Brad, how are you?
3: Good, thanks mate. Yourself?
1: yeah very good very good. We were just yeah just talking about just before we got onto the city news just the um the latest um, unfortunate news with the outbreak here in new south Wales and um and uh, the impacts that will have but as as look as Logan says, I think um, in the scheme of things we're in a much more fortunate position than um than people in the uk so our, our thoughts obviously still definitely with those in the uk and, and how they're um they're coping with with everything at the moment
3: definitely yeah.
1: Absolutely. Well, look, you know, it is it is our sort of mid season review, but we have had a game since our last episode, so um, I thought we would kick things off with a review of that unfortunate loss to Portsmouth. I mean, I don't think it's every day that you lose a game where the opposition doesn't have a shot on target, uh, two nil. Um, look, I'll probably I'll start with you, Dan, on this one. Um, you know, pretty pretty unfortunate the manner of the first goal for Greaves. Um, you know, I've seen some cases made that perhaps it should have been chalked off for a foul, but um, you know, uh, the second one not so not so much. I mean Janice made pretty pretty sure that that went in the back of the net with um two two stabs at it. Um but, but how did you see how did you see the manner of the game?
0: Oh look, I think you sort of hit the nail on the head where when you said that it's it's not very often that you score both goals in a game and lose. So um, <laughs> yeah. It was um it's pretty frustrating to watch. Um I I think I guess it's not just that game, but it's just it's a follow on from the last few games where we've just seemed really flat and we haven't really been up to the mark. Um, And I think the last time I was on, we were talking about how the press and, and the opposition managers were challenging us that saying every time we, you know, came up against someone half decent, they'd say this was the challenge that we had to pass and we were passing them all and they shouldn't be. They should just you know give it give us the credit that we we are we would due, but now you know the, the the challenges are coming, and we seem to be and uh, and we're not meeting them, which is pretty disappointing, but I think the game overall um, yeah, i don't I really don't know how to describe it it was it was tough to watch um I mean, we still somehow managed to create ourselves a few chances that um, that that we should have probably done something with. But I I think it speaks volumes when you say that your right back is your most dangerous attacking weapon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what did you think of the game, Logan? I guess um, um, we were sort of talking during the game or or I was sort of tweeting out during the game. And I think the point that a lot of people were highlighting was we really felt like we were missing George Honeyman in our midfield for the game and and the impetus that he creates. And look, as Dan said, it, it seemed as if, you know, we were creating chances. We just couldn't create the right chances. Yeah, a really strange game. I think Dan's kind of highlighted
2: the, um, I guess, the gist of, of what happened. But realistically, I, I got the feeling that the game could have gone for 180 minutes and we still were going to almost be at a uh, no closer to scoring. And equally, I, I don't think Portsmouth really looked like they were going to score. Um that first goal, the own goal, it certainly should have been scrapped off. I, I, I you mentioned it as being controversial. I, I can't see how you could award that in in any single game, and particularly if that foul happens anywhere else on the pitch, it yeah. gets away. I think the referee made a huge error in in allowing that, and uh, for that to be chalked down as an own goal is is pretty disappointing. But if you take that out of the equation, and then the the one that actually was an unfortunate goal, the McGinnis um, own goal, uh, really disappointing. Just. Uh, it was one of those games that uh, I was really glad for it to end, uh, even though I guess our, our fate had been sealed, but a really disappointing result. And uh, I guess what made it worse for me was I felt incredibly optimistic about the, uh, the chances of that game and uh, the way that we just turned up and didn't even really look close to a shadow of um, some of the glimpses we've seen from the team uh, earlier in the season. Is um, It is a, a quite a large cause for concern heading into this uh, Christmas period.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, you and I were speaking last week about how it could go one of two ways, whether um, whether Portsmouth would sort of go into the game really open and attacking and and sort of give us the chances like we had against Switch, uh, or else whether they'd be a bit more intelligent and, and play um, play in a similar style to the teams we faced in recent weeks who have sort of found us out of it. Um, Brad, Brad, do you sort of, I guess, looking at the results over the last few weeks, get that sense that perhaps teams are starting to, to find us out or is it, more a case of missing personnel like Honeyman that, that might be more a cause for, for the lack of results?
3: Oh, look, I think it's probably a combination of, of all of the things. I mean, I think at the moment the concern obviously is we, we looked like a goal-scoring machine until three games ago and we don't seem to be looking like we're even kicking to the right end. Um, and then on the back of that, sure, there's, there's key players. I think Honeyman being out is of a real concern. Um, and obviously one of the driving forces behind some of the performance. But, you know, we, we sort of almost looked like we maybe are getting a little bit worked out. You know, one one thing a Portsmouth supporter said to me, who was very quick to send me a text very early on Saturday so <laughs> morning, thanks very much, was that he just said, your game plan's pretty simple. We stop your fallbacks, and you haven't got much else. Yeah. And And I thought, look, I didn't even see the game at that stage, but the more I looked at it, we are probably pretty predictable without
1: that creative force coming through the middle of the park that honeyman you know yeah can
3: provide
1: yeah and even um um look i mean we'll probably talk in a little bit when we look at the the season as a whole so far and also grant mccann as as the manager but um i think the the big elephant in the room as well is lewis potter again on the bench to start the game um Dan, I know we were sort of talking just before we went to air and, and it's sort of echoed the thoughts that the Logan and I were sharing last week that um, really feels as if he's just being bullied at the moment um, to try and sign a contract. And the fact that, um, you know, there's also these rumours that, that if he starts another game, there's some clause in his contract that will increase his wage or something like that. So it still seems a really murky sort of situation. But... Um, you know, talking about the fact that we're lacking that attacking spark, it seems that that spark is Lewis Potter and he's just not getting a run at it.
0: Yeah, look, I think you um you jumped in about half a second before I was about to to speak and bring it up myself, honestly. Um, but yeah, look, I I I just don't I fully just don't get this whole situation at all. If there's a clause in his contract, it's because the alums put it in in there in the first place. So if he's got to st- if he gets a pay rise when he starts another game, well, that's their fault. They can't you can't just like pull the pin on that now because we get I get frustrated with like particularly in the A League and stuff and play like players who then ha- just have their contracts torn torn up by mutual consent to go and join join somewhere yeah. else and all this contract stuff's is frust- like annoying as all hell. But like he like it's not this one's not on the player at all. This is fully just all on the management, on the the club itself and the decisions and things that they're doing. And I think just to say, Oh well, we've got to pay him, even if he gets paid twice what he's getting now, he's probably still on peanuts because he's only nineteen. Um, like that I just don't I just don't get that. And I think that whole situation, how that's playing out and and whether and the fact that on top of that he's getting bullied to not that he's not going to start until he signs this new deal which probably just cuts out that pay rise anyway is probably half of it as well but i mean we, we went
1: through the same we went through the same thing with timon as well i think where he was on peanuts and and wanted a pay rise mm. and and we dicked him over on that as well
0: probably i i can only imagine the the long list of players that we've dicked over <laughs> <Yeah>. in contract <laughs> <laughs> negotiations <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, it's a long but I think like this whole thing, and, and we were we were talking about it before that there's so many different elements to this. You know, this all this stuff about Keen Lewis's Potter's co- contract negotiations sort of came out a couple of weeks ago, and it's sort of coincidental that all these details have started coming out. That if he starts in the game, he he has to get a pay rise, but he's not going to start another game until he signs the contract and all this, and then but also. The, the teams in general seem we seem to be playing a little bit worse for wear, and I think I made the comment to you about that, like that team morale, like they're he's been such a good player and so for, and for young that they'd be all rallied around him and supporting him in this, and the clubs, as you said, has so eloquently has uh, dicking him over. <laughs> so um, I, I think I think that's playing a part, and that's another one of those situations where we're going. These these things need to get resolved quickly, and they need to get dealt with in a in a way that benefits everyone. And that I guess really is just getting it getting it sorted, getting the pen to paper, or just letting him play football because that's what he's there to do. And when he came on, even against Portsmouth, he just added some some nice impetus to our, to us going forward and created a few chances. So I think while we don't play him, regardless of his contract situation, we're shooting ourselves in the foot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Brad, Brad, did you have anything um, to add to that about Lewis Potter's situation?
3: Yeah, look, I mean, we know earlier in the season he was our number one gun. Um, the way I look at it is we go back to that round one and if someone says to you, hey, this is how this guy can perform, build a team around him, you would. And here we are sitting there trying to squibble about. Minor mine are all major issues with a contract because it's all money related. That's all it is. Um, how could you begrudge this guy getting paid any extra than what he was on? Um, and probably the thing for me that probably hurts, and I think it's probably why people are getting so pissed off about it, to be honest, is that this is all being played out in the media yeah. in a way that um, is going to hurt everyone at the club, supporters, owners and players i mean all that needs to happen is someone to say it'll be fixed and we all go great but at the moment it doesn't even look like it's going to be fixed the guy's is one of our best assets at the moment and I, the last time i heard you're in a promotion chasing season like a genuine not like we might make the playoffs but hey we should finish top two and yet we're squibbling about one of our better players getting paid properly
1: yeah it almost feels like he has looked at the side and thought. They're travelling a bit too well. Let's uh, let's take a town a notch. Find find some way <laughs> to undermine what's going on. Yeah,
3: I think his valuation methodology means that he's looking for a leap two place. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. Hey. Look. Um, does anyone have any other final thoughts on the game? Otherwise, maybe we can go around with our sort of our three, two, one best players for this game. Which I know, I know, probably are going to be difficult to come uh, to put together in in a pretty underwhelming game. Um, maybe I'll start with Brad. If, you, if any final thoughts, and, and then and then player ratings.
3: Oh, look, I think I'd give uh, probably Magenis three because he scored. Um, I'd probably give Green <laughs> two because he scored. Uh, and I'd probably give K or P one because he at least came on and provided something. That's probably the only way I can sum it
1: up. I like it. I like it. Fair enough. <laughs> Logan, what were your thought, final thoughts and uh, player ratings? Uh,
2: I think the quicker we get off this game, the the better it's going to be for everyone. <laughs> uh, but, look, honestly, I thought the three points uh, had to go to Emmanuel. I thought that uh, it really he was probably the only player that uh, that looked a threat uh, frequently. Um, he he didn't turn the ball over uh, too much. And apart from anything else, there was just not much else to compare him with. So I think he's a he's a resounding three points. Um, outside of that, you kind of – you could throw a blanket over the field. Um, there wasn't really much to, to get excited about. Um I mean Wilkes had his his moments. I I, I know I know Brad gave his uh, three points uh, to to Magenis, but uh, I I have been really um, really excited by the the form that Magenis has showed but he he didn't have just a bad game. He had probably the worst game I think I've ever seen his Um okay, for, to, for him to end up with three points from Brad is uh, very kind. But um <laughs> It, it was it was an incredibly disappointing I think performance. It's it's
1: it's Christmas time, Logan. I think we're fans <laughs> yeah. going
2: for a bit of charity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. And the, the irony was, um, Magenis almost well, he came the closest to scoring for us as well. So yeah. I guess um, you know there's a bit of irony in that. Probably reflects um, just how poor that game was. Uh, but I, to give you a two and one, I think I would be doing the wrong thing. So I'm going to stop there. If that's uh, if if that's even yeah. all allowed.
1: There. No, go for it. Fair enough. Um, Dan, what are your what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, right. Um, I'm probably. It seems that I've gone a bit of a combination of Brad and Logan here. I'm giving the three points to Emmanuel to follow Logan. One point I was going to give to KLP for this game to echo Brad, and in the middle I was tossing up between one of the midfielders. I couldn't decide between Slater and Doherty, So. Um, but i think slater was the first my first choice because i was watching the highlights and he had a couple of he had one really good shot and he was involved in the one of emmanuel's first um, really good breaks into the box so i'll just give slater two and be generous as well yeah look
1: and and that's actually a really good one i'd i'd sort of slipped my mind with my vote but um slater is one that uh, there's been a bit of discussion on twitter about him and, and what he adds to the side but look he had our only shot on target for the game and Um, he's a young kid. He's not going to have any sort of amazing end product necessarily at this stage of his career, but he's a workhorse. He puts the energy and and the motivation in, um, and you can see he's going to try and push the ball forward. Um, So I thought he was really impressive as well. So that's not a bad shout there at all um, and probably worth a mention. And look, I mean, just to go completely different, I've gone for, and it shows just the diversity of opinion that we've got on this. I've gone elder for the three votes, which, Look, I might be a little bit coloured by his previous games where I think he got the two assists against Blackpool as well. But um, I think he's been putting together some pretty decent form for us. And um, and look, you know, um, emmanuel has been one of my favourites on the right-hand side of the field and Elder's certainly doing well on the left-hand side of the field. Um, I-, I gave the two to Doherty because I sort of, similar to you, Dan, was sort of throwing up between those two midfield options. And I think Doherty, since his return, has really made an effort and, you know, obviously got the equaliser against Oxford. Um, and he's he's not put many foots wrong in midfield. I wouldn't have thought so. Um, he he certainly seems to be busting a gut out there as well. Um I went Burke for the one just because I thought of the two centre backs, he was the one that didn't concede the own goal. So I've kind of gone opposite to Brad on that one. Um, but I think I think he's been having a reasonable season too. And it was more a um, it was more an elimination of bad. Choices that I kind of ruled players out of getting the vote, rather than ruled Burke in for getting the vote, was sort of how I arrived at that. Um, but we will, as as Logan was saying, we'll move on from that game and and hopefully be a little bit more positive in our mid season review. Um, we'll probably talk about where we find ourselves now in a little bit, but just to start with some more positives, I thought we could go around the table and sort of think about. Um, What our favourite goal of the season so far has been, um, our favourite game of the season and um, our player of the season to this stage of the season. So, um, Logan, I might start with you on this one if you've got a favourite goal, game and player um, and sort of a reasoning for each of those.
2: Yeah. So I think my favourite goal of the season, um, although I think Doherty's goal was probably the best goal I've seen, I think I, I like the, the goal from Eves against uh, Doncaster purely because of um, just the magnitude of how we played so well in that game. Then they slipped it back. And then after copying a, a whole lot of flack for, um, for, for some poor performances to see him pop up and, um, and get that goal right at the death, kind of just reminded me of uh, how crazy football can be. And um, that one just resonates because of, you know, when it was scored. So i will probably say Tom Eaves's goal against uh, Donnie would be the, the one that stands out for me. Um, the second question, the, the uh, game of the year? Uh, probably... Yep. I would probably say that one as well, Uh, just given the fact that, again, I I like the the story behind it being McCann's former club and um, and just being able to pinch that result in the fashion that we did. Um, I certainly put that up there. There's one more question, but I can't remember what it was.
1: Uh, uh, Best player of the season so far, yeah.
2: Ah, uh, best player of the season so far for me. Um, I think it has to be Honeymoon. I think that Wilkes is probably in the conversation just because um, he has been clinical at, at times. And uh, I was going to say McGinnis is my my most improved uh, until until the weekend, uh, but <laughs> took a few steps backwards. Hey, <laughs> that's right. Um, but I think um, if if we're talking from uh, from start the start of the season to where we are now, I just I've been so impressed with George Honeyman, and I think the last uh, the last two results in particular have really highlighted just how important he is to the to the city machine and what what he offers when he's in the side. So Honeyman for me is um, is, is my player of the season thus far.
1: Um, and then Brad, your favourite goal, favourite game, and best player so far.
3: Um. I think probably, I was going to say Eves as well, but I'm going to move it now. I think the Doherty goal probably was my favourite goal in isolation. Um, I think probably game of the season at the moment was, yeah, I still, I don't know. I still have this debate about whether it's because we won or because we scored lots of goals or, you know, I'm still not sure which one. So I'm going to have to come back to you on that one. Um, But I think, Player of the season, I think probably early on, KLP was obviously generating the most excitement. It just seemed like he was the wonder kid. But I think just to echo the sentiment so far, Honeyman not being there and then even just visualising a couple of those balls he's played that have literally we've scored from and the way he sort of is that workhorse but can create something in the middle is clearly what we've been lacking in these last few results. Um and so probably I'd have to agree at the
0: moment. Most important player is is it's probably Honeyman.
1: Fair enough. I'll, I'll come back to you on your um, favourite game of the season, then and I'll throw to Dan for his goal game and player.
0: All right. Uh, Favorite goal. I have um, Keen Lewis Potter's runaway goal against Swindon Town. Um, to I think that was the equaliser, was it? No, or it was. was
1: I think it was. I think it was to uh, put actually, us in front.
0: Is that yeah, yeah. I think it's one at the start. Yeah. Oh, yeah. can't remember. Um, but anyway, but yeah, the, to pick that up inside our half, run through, I think, four defenders and then slot it from, and he was still about bloody 18 yards out or something when he yeah. slotted it. Um, just tremendous, tremendous athleticism and strength from a very small player to, to shrug all those to the midfielders and defenders off and, and, and then finish off so tidily. Um, that's my favorite goal. Favorite game um, is the Ipswich three nil. I think that really was just a that was almost we were almost at just about the peak of our powers so far in an attacking sense. We just I thought that was a game we really really dominated. We created lots of chances. We scored some really good goals, um, and they were just, and nice and spread out. I think because the first goal was only a couple of minutes in, um, yeah. and then I think one before half time, and then one about halfway through the second half. So really nice goals. Um, and linked to that and something that Brad said my best player is also George Honeyman um, and he was Brad was talking something about some of the passes okay. and things that he makes that we're maybe missing and in that goal against in that first, that first goal was the ball came into Honeyman in the box and it was a little disguised pass that he plays back to Wilkes who then shoots in scores inside the near post but I think Honeyman's energy and everything that he, he just brings so much um, and as much as we he was maligned last year for the quality that he did or didn't possess, I think he's really stepped into that role in the team this year, um, in that number ten role, and really made it his own. Um, and I think I, I think I, I made a joke in one of the earlier. Episodes about him leading us to the Premier League. It's just about being on his shoulders that we have got ourselves in such a strong position so far yeah. this season. And as others have alluded to, his presence has been so sorely missed. Whereas others who um, we ha- when they've stepped out, we thought we would miss, and maybe haven't so much. Even KLP, we we really thought we that we would miss his um, that his directness, but. It has been a loss, but not as significant as Honeyman's has been at this stage. So that's my reasoning for play a game and goal. Fair enough.
1: No good shouts. And um, a couple of those were going to overlap with mine. So I'm glad that before we um, before we to air, I was sort of thinking of other, other games and goals that um, take their place because Ipswich is a great shout. Um, I think I said at the time after the win that it was um, reminiscent of one of the games in the Borussia promotion year from the, from the uh, second time around from the championship where... Um, we were sort of spotting aside uh, promotion rivals with relative ease. Um, so for, for me, uh, favourite goal of the season, I've actually picked the other goal from the Donny game, which was the Magenis thunder bastard of a free kick um, in the first half, which I just I just loved it because it was a sign of a player at the top of his confidence. Uh, no doubts in his mind that he could just put an absolute, you know, huge amount of energy behind it and just you know, break the back of the net, essentially. Um so that's probably my favourite goal of the season so far. Favourite game of the year, I'm actually going to cheat a little bit and it's not a league game but a cup game and that was the win over Leeds, which feels like it was quite a while ago now. Um, but to beat, a promo- to beat a Premier League side, I should say, um, yes, it was on penalties but really should have been in uh, in normal time, um, it was a fantastic display. And that was sort of er- early on in the season when we were sort of unsure if... Um, if um, we were, so we were sort of, sort of starting to gel, sort of starting to click as a side. We'd, we'd had a few, uh, like we'd had the nil-nil with Sunderland in the first round of the League Cup, and um, we're sort of still putting, that's putting, um, putting uh, the side together really, and we're, we're sort of getting, getting going early in the season. And to, to be one 0 up against a reasonably strong lead side, um, and then come away with the win after penalties. Was a pretty enjoyable experience, and the uh, the banter on Twitter afterwards and social media afterwards was um, certainly a, a really enjoyable part of that as well. Um, best player, I look, I think the easy answer would be to go with all three of you and say Honeyman as well, but I I'll go with Josh Emmanuel just for the for the um, perspective that. Um, you know the difference between the expectation for him preseason and what we've got from him over the course of this season has just been massive for me, and I think he's been a big part of of the way that we've played this season as well. And I, can, I know Brad was sort of saying that the the ability to stop our fullbacks really does unravel us at times. Um, I think that's a large part down to just how effective Emmanuel's been. That you know, if 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 teams are managing to to clamp down on him, then it does make it really difficult for us in games. So. I think Honeyman's a great shout and I think um, Emmanuel's a good shout as well for, for being right up there in, in in the conversation for player of the season. Um, Brad, did you have a favourite game of the season? Had you managed to... Have, did I, did, come to you look,
3: I did, mate, but then you've confused me now because you said that Leeds game was allowable. So I've, I've now gone <laughs> back to it. It was a three-way tie. so it was a two-way tie. Now it was a three. I've scrapped another one. So at the moment, the Bristol Rovers game. Yep, a shocker. We were awful. Um, the first half we should have probably been at least two goals down, if not three. And then whether McGann gave them a spray or EHAP left the building, I don't know what was. But I think we banged in three goals in about 10, 15 minutes. We looked awesome. And although I still remember pretty much ignoring the first hour or so, um, I actually thought that night, if we can go to Bristol, actually we win midweek after looking terrible we're a real chance um, now that was some time ago and things have changed since then but three goals away from home when we were rubbish was probably as close as i'll get to the leads go
1: fair enough no good shout there good shout there well look i mean that's sort of the positives of the season so far and and you know we do have to put things in perspective we're still reasonably high up the table i actually haven't haven't looked Are we, we, we third on the table now Third, yeah. So we've we've dropped to third, given that we we've, we've lost that game to Portsmouth, um, which you know I sort of I sort of go around the table. But um, looking back on the season so far, I guess there's two ways to look at it. Is you know in pre season, I suspect we'd all agree that um, to be in this position at this stage of the season, we would have been quite happy to take. But the other perspective is given where we were travel or how we were travelling over the first few months of the season. To be dropping off as we are, it, it's it's becoming a little bit of a concern. So I guess I'll start with you, Dan, and we can kind of go around the go around the table, so to speak, um, with your thoughts on on has the first half of the season uh, sort of met expectations, exceeded expectations, were the new expect, expectations set, which have now sort of started to cause concerns, or how how do you sort of see it?
0: Um, could you not have asked me this a month ago? It would have been really <laughs> yes, an answer. Um, if you were no, doing look, a month ago it's a very <laughs> different episode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I look. I think. Still, I think with with what I expected from the season going into it, and I haven't actually. It would be interesting to actually listen back to those those couple of early that episode, probably before the season began. Our our early previews to see what we were expecting from the season exactly, but I think we were we were expecting to be competitive and, and B, I think we, we'd set promotion as our thing, but I don't think we ever really said, you know, playoff, I mean, we, we said playoffs were probably the expectation, but not an automatic spot to be essentially in that. And the only reason we're not is because we've thrown three games away in a row. It's that, that's like, that's the negative is that we've thrown those three games away, but the positive is that we've got ourselves in a position where it hasn't actually hurt us that much. We're a point off, like behind first and second. So, and and now because of I think another um, incident, we have now got two weeks or something until our next game, just about or ten days or something. It's not until yeah, not until the 30th, um, we're, yeah, yeah we're supposed to play. Now, yeah, yeah. We're supposed to play on the Boxing Day or something, weren't we? And then yep. that got postponed. Yeah, so we've got a big break. Hopefully, um, everyone gets whatever it is that they need. The rest. You know, some time with the misses. I don't know um, to get to get themselves a bit of vim and vigor and back in form and everything. But I think I think overall we're we're still in a really strong position. As disappointing and disheartening as this last pro, yeah three games has been, um, I still see our so far as a as a success. Um, my concern is that we are just about mirroring what happened in the championship last season that we went really strong right up until christmas we managed to get till just after christmas to new year's day last season but it all fell apart and it looks you know i'm concerned that we are we have hit our peak already and we're going on a downward trend i guess only time will tell on that front but um if that's the case then i think that is really throwing mccann's coaching credentials managerial credentials um you know, into into disarray because once you know, fool, fool me once, shame on you know. You fool me twice, shame on me. Sort of thing. I think um, yeah. if it happens again, then and and in a lower league, then you you know, I I just I just don't know. But overall, yeah, overall, I still think we're you can we should be counting so far this season as a success.
1: Fair enough. What, what what do you think, Logan?
2: I think if we were to have this conversation even prior to the Portsmouth game, I think we probably would have remained incredibly optimistic, saying that we're top of the league at, at Christmas time, essentially. So I think independently, if you look at our position on the the ladder, well, it's been a fantastic start to the season, and I guess you could start to ask yourself, what's the alternative if we were kind of languishing mid table and had a string of wins together and were building some momentum? Would we prefer that? I, I don't think that that's necessarily uh the right alternative so the position we find ourselves in is is a great one and i I think that as dan kind of alluded to is the, the break has come at the perfect time i think given the fact that we have surrendered three three games in a row whereas if we had as much taken uh points from one of those we would be in an incredibly promising position uh starting the new year but Given that break uh, and the chance to kind of rest up, reevaluate, and um, and recharge the batteries, then then I am optimistic. But I, I would have to say that there's some huge concerns around McCann. Um, it probably is highlighted more so by the Kane Lewis Potter contract situation and and recent dealings. But as far as how we are as a football team, we still do have. Um, as we've mentioned, some incredibly gifted uh, wingbacks who uh, fullbacks who are really dangerous when they get forward, and we definitely have goal scorers in our team, with a um, perhaps who I, I strongly believe is the best central midfielder in the championship in Honeymoon. So, uh, look, I'm I'm pretty confident. I'm, I'm still I still remain optimistic, and I'm still happy with how the season's progressed so far. But it, it is a very precarious time, and it's going to be hugely interesting to see what happens over the next month of football.
1: Yeah, and look, it's a fair point. We could be Sunderland down in 11th place with uh, one win in their last five and um, would be looking a lot bleaker. And, yes, you know, they've changed their manager, so maybe they'll start to put a few results together. But it's as you say, Logan, you know, would you rather be, you know, or even like you would you rather be a crew Alexander in ninth with four wins in their last five and sort of gaining momentum. But they're still, you know, six points behind the top two sort of situation. And and, and you're right, I think – um, it's an interesting sort of one. I think out, from the outside looking in, I suspect most people would think that we're travelling quite well, and it's it's sort of just a blip, and and everyone has these blips. But um, Brad, do you do you think it's just a blip? Do you think we'll sort of recover? I mean, I know, I guess Dan's point, which is a fair one, is it's starting to eerily echo last season, and and how many more sort of dropped points or or losses would it take for you to to really start to have alarm bells ringing?
3: Ah, oh, probably one more. Um, <laughs> I think. Realistically, you know, expectations at the start of the season—if we could be third at the turn of the year—and um, probably most importantly for us anyway, have scored, you know, near on two goals a game, we'd be sort of quite happy with that. Um, I think realistically, we probably all sort of thought that we'd be a playoffs chance. I'd like to think auto promotion, but with our track record, it's never been great. But just to echo some of those comments there, this turn of the year always scares me when you've been high-flying for a few weeks and all of a sudden drop 9 or 10 or 11 points on the trot. But I think probably there's still one little eerily strange point that I keep pointing back to is we've actually got a bloody good squad. Yeah. This league, we should be, you know, stretching right out to players 24, 22 to 24, somewhere like that, whereas clearly other clubs don't have that, you know, ability to drag 20 to 25 players through a whole season or quality ones anyway. So you would think that at some stage when we start getting into games 30 to 40-odd that we should really be starting to show that we've got depth that other clubs haven't, bar a few. So I'm still probably a little bit frustrated and still don't like seeing the last three results. But I think, to be honest, the next two are probably it. If we can see us knocking over teams that are in the top half, then the faith will be restored. But if we can't, I hate to think how quickly the monkey's on McGann's back and whether he's got that stand-up leadership that the other players are going to start following him or if the KLP situation just infiltrates it even further.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and look, I mean, that's a that's a probably a good segue into talking about McCann um, more specifically at this point. Um, you know, normally, normally each week we've been we've been reviewing a particular player, and so I thought it was fitting that this week we review McCann's tenure at the club so far because he's, he's been here for about eighteen months now, which surprisingly, I mean, like that's that's probably almost equal to uh, Nigel Adkins' time at the club as well. So, you know, kind of approaching approaching being our longest manager since Steve Bruce, which is kind of strange to say in, in a way. Um, so he, he obviously became manager last summer after Adkins failed to sign a new deal with the club, came in with pretty, you know, reasonable credentials having taken both Peterborough and Doncaster to the playoffs, I believe. I, I think he took Peterborough to the playoffs or, or maybe just fell slightly short. Um, And his his style of play was quite an attractive one. It was that sort of high-tempo, high-pressing style, which the start of last season in the championship worked really well. Um, We were sort of conceding a few late goals, but on the whole, it was working quite well. And um, and then obviously, we know the rest last season after Bowen and Grzicki left the club. Um, We've sort of just been talking about how we're sort of starting to see similarities this season, but... Um, you also need to look, you know, off the pitch, the way he's interacting in media interviews. Um, we've sort of alluded to it as well with the KLP situation, sort of dragging that through the press as well. Um, I guess there's concerns that he's very much a yes man to Ehab, um, which which in a way probably makes this conversation redundant because it probably suggests that he's not in any danger of being sacked. Um But I know we've sort of had the conversation during the COVID break that if not for that, would he potentially have been sacked if the season continued as normal Uh, and that losing run had really started to feel the pressure and and there were fans in the stadium and and you sort of get a much more toxic atmosphere towards the manager. Um, I guess, Dan, I'll start with you on this one. Um, In terms of McGann's time at the club, do you think he can still be a success at the club or do you think given all of these hallmarks of... You know, as you as you perfectly put it, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. We're sort of seeing the same failings the second time around.
0: Yeah, look, I know I brought it up, but I think I do I do wanna just preface by saying I do think it's a bit premature to to really make that comparison. It's just it's just in the back of my mind that it's starting it is starting to look the same way. But look, I think overall it, it would hard to, to call his time here. Um, successful. You know, he's overseen um, I don't know, like it's more than even just a relegation. Like that it was a fall from Grace. Like we were I think was it sixth at the sixth or seventh at the turn of the year last season to then finish I saw, um, um, we finished I saw bottom.
1: A, yeah, finished bottom. Yeah. I saw I saw screenshots in a championship group for Stokes season and how they've improved so much this season and it was a screenshot from last season's bottom half of the table. West Oak was you know 20th or something and now they're sixth and it, it was just so, such a such a sort of reality check that we weren't even in that screenshot as being sort of that bottom 13 14 clubs um, to fall that far that quickly yeah
0: um, so there's there's that but look I I don't know I think it's it's really this if he if he if he's winning games and he gets out and he'll see out this season but if if he's not winning, um, if if this poor form continues then it would be hard to see how he would last the season but then the conversation becomes who is available that wants to to come because you know, certainly know wages aren't going to be something that's offered to a manager yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so any of the decent managers probably aren't going to want to come because they'll have a little bit of profile and with that comes a little bit of um, demands but um, I don't no point getting too much into that conversation at this stage but um yeah, look.
1: Do, think... do you still see him as someone so you, you still think you're quite comfortable that um potentially this is just a blip and, and that he can sort of steer the ship, you know, correct the correct the um correct the ship and, and get us back on track and, and still get us promoted? Come back to me in ten games time. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um Logan, what are your thoughts on um I guess McGann's tenure at the club so far in general and, and any sort of warning signs that you're seeing over this last, you know it is. It is. It's coming up to a month of of poor performances. Yeah.
2: Again, worrying times. I think that the fact that this conversation is taking place when it is probably has hasn't helped McCann's uh, I guess, favour with the opinions that we're probably going to express here. Given the fact that if this happened at the start of December or um, late November, then we we might have had a, a much higher opinion, but. I mean, you have to remember with McCann, he's, he's taken the, the managerial appointment of death, so to speak, uh, by, by signing with Hull. Um, our owners are notoriously difficult to deal with. I mean, even just a, a walk down memory lane and to, to look at the managers that they've broken, um, you know, Steve Bruce, from all reports, is he's a, he's a pretty honourable and reasonable type manager. I know that he's certainly not in the game of, of football for a, a big paycheck, so to speak. And Uh, what he did with City uh, was really interesting to see how quickly he was kind of discarded. Then uh, just the way they dealt with Silver and how he got kind of moved off pretty quickly. Like uh, the question is how hard did they actually chase him and what was the package that they put together for him? And then lastly, and I think probably the the most concerning of them all was Nigel Atkins. I mean, if there's a more positive man uh, walking on this planet, then I'm yet to kind of see him. and so the fact that McCann took that appointment was really interesting um it, it pro- probably shows a lot about um, about who he is I think he is a competitive guy um and as you said like he's got a lot of promise when it comes to attacking football um he's he's never had problems scoring goals um and I think we've seen the fruits of that if we look at the the front line as as you and I were, were chatting about earlier in the week alex with the amount of um, multiple goal scorers we have that have shown huge returns in the start of the season. Goals have never really been a problem to come by, but it's when teams start to figure us out defensively where we really start to struggle. And as of yet, I'm yet to see McCann deliver an answer for that. And and if there's any kind of hole in his game or area that that worries me, it is his defensive uh, frailties. And if he can correct those things, I think that maybe he is the man to, to continue taking us forward. But uh, we've got some really big games coming up against some big teams, and and to see that uh, will be will be pretty uh, intriguing, I guess, from from all city perspectives uh, as to what our goal return looks like. Firstly, but secondly, is is how leaky is our defence going to be? Uh, I'm I'm kind of similar to Dan. I would love this question a bit further down the track in ten games time.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's me really telling, uh, telling Stretch over the next month or so in terms of how we turn this around potentially or whether we slip into more of a um, precarious position. I mean, we've given ourselves a really great springboard to to get promotion. And unfortunately, it's a little bit like last season where you would have said that come January 1st, we were giving ourselves a really good springboard to make the playoffs. And then it all just sort of unraveled from there. But Um, you know, up until that Shrewsbury game, we'd scored in every game, so that attacking football was there, and we were playing, we were creating a lot of chances. And it really does seem like it, you know, it it could be as simple as Honeyman comes back into the side, we look at a completely rejuvenated side, and we we get back to scoring goals, and and all these issues are put behind us, but um. I I guess that the really telling thing would be if Honeyman comes back into the side and it doesn't actually make a difference and this sort of um, poor form continues. So, as you say, I think it will be very interesting to see what happens over the next few games. Um, Brad, did you have any thoughts so far on, um, on McCann's time at the club?
3: Look, I think probably other than adding anything that's already been said, the only thing I can probably think of is he would have known what he was getting into when he joined us. Clearly, any manager that looks at this as a job and says, Hey, the last, well, technically three managers have all left basically because of finances or disputes with the owner. You'd have to be thinking you're accepting the job on a shoestring budget and without much support to do exactly what you want. So, I mean, I actually give him some credit for thinking that he can actually take the job on and make it really work because I think it shows he's got some confidence in his own ability. But The only thing that I'm starting to get a bit annoyed with is when you want some answers, we're not getting them. Um, I admire the fact that we might discuss a little bit about the KLP thing, but to be honest, probably not the right time or place either. But at times we want to actually hear where he's frustrated, not just, oh, yeah, I thought we did okay here and we broke him down here, but then we did this and that. How about saying I'm pissed off? We should be putting these teams away, having some confidence saying we are the top half of and I'm going to push this from my end backwards, almost like Adkins did. I mean, Adkins had his critics, but there was times there where he'd be talking us up. And we're all thinking we're no chance. And in the end, players start believing a bit. I think at the moment it's almost like part of that belief drain has actually come from him.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, and that's a fair point as well. Look, it's 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 a frustrating one because, I mean, for instance, you look at Watford have just sacked their manager and they're in fifth or sixth position in the in the championship, and everyone sort of, I mean, granted, Watford's owners have priors in in multiple mac, uh, manager sackings in a single season, but uh, from the outside looking in, everyone sort of doesn't understand what they've done, and I suspect if we were to sack McCann, everyone would have similar thoughts of us because they'd say, you know, geez, you know, you're third in the table, you're flying, um, but but. From the inside, there's a lot of concerning signs there, and there's a lot of work to be put right to, to get us back on track. I suspect it's, it's, uh, you know, look, as I say, it could be as simple as getting Honeyman back into the side, but I suspect there's um, other other bridges to mend as well. I think we need to see KLP back in the starting eleven as well, and and some. Um, I mean, I don't think we'll actually get any sort of apology or um, or, or comment from Ehab or the club, but uh, you know, I guess something probably needs to be done there. Whether it's a simple... I mean, look, KLP could could end up signing a new deal. It could be resolved and and that could help things as well. But I guess we will see. Um, Look, just before we finish off the episode, it's been a great one. Um, We will look ahead to that Lincoln City game. It is nine days away, but we do have the small matter of Christmas in the meantime, so I think it's probably best to do the preview in this episode so we can all have a nice rested Christmas break. Um, It's going to be a... You know, big clash again. Um, they're sitting in second in the table just above us, um, a point above us. So, um, you know, look, we've got a game in hand on Portsmouth. If we if we were to beat Lincoln as well, um, it then gives us the chance to go back top of the table and put that ability back in our hands. Um, managed by Michael Appleton, I, I'd actually forgotten that he was assistant at Leicester under uh, Craig Shakespeare. And so when Shakespeare was um, sacked from Leicester, Appleton actually got two games in the Premier League in charge of Leicester and and won both of them. So I always sort of associate him more with his spells with, you know, Blackpool and Portsmouth, ironically enough, Um, both when they were both struggling quite a bit. So he sort of, he strikes me as that sort of really tough manager Um, who can work on a shoestring budget that that clubs that are really sort of struggling can bring in and sort of try and get a bit of stability back. Um, So and he seems to be doing a pretty good job with Lincoln as well. I think he took over Lincoln when the Cowley brothers went off to Huddersfield. So um, he's certainly done well with them as well. Um, We haven't played them since 2004. We played them in League Two, I think was the last time we played them back in 2004. And it was called the old Division Three. Um, and then, in terms of their form, they've won three of their last five, but funnily enough, also lost 1 nil to Shrewsbury. So perhaps that's not as bad a result as we would have thought at the time. Um, sort of a bit of a local derby, I guess you would say. I think that, you know, they're sort of close enough that a few people look out for this game at the start of the season. Um, so it'll be an interesting one. Um, I'll start with you, Dan. Lincoln, um, see much chance of a bounce back? I guess, you know, the nine days does give Honeyman and others a chance to be fit. Maybe that will sort of write a few of the wrongs.
0: Yeah, look, I think that, that those nine days are going to be crucially important in this game. Um, we have nine days to sort out KFP's contract situation. We have nine days for Honeyman to get fit and ready. And we have nine days to practice putting the ball in the net again. Had yeah. the right one, not, not the one behind Ingram. The one I've I've behind had enough now. practice for that, yeah. <laughs> um, look, I... If we're at our best, we're more than capable of winning this game. My concern is that we won't be at our best. Um, And if we're not, I think we will struggle to take points at all. So um, I think I'm just going to go somewhere in the middle. I'd tip a draw, um, probably. um, But, yeah, um, the only other thing I have to say is... Just, just to make a note, that ten games time—that's after we play MK Dons in February, Alex. When we come back to I'll talk about Dan
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a note of that we'll have we'll, have, we'll, we'll uh, reconvene and uh, do a check-in on, on where, we're, where what our thoughts are on him at that point. Absolutely, um, Logan. What are your thoughts on this one? Would you would you make any? I, I mean, I guess the obvious change to the side would be Honeyman in. Was was would there be anything else that you'd look to change for this game?
2: Well, I think that, that that's definitely one of them, and the second one would be KOP starting. I mean, you you make those two changes, and I would say that we're we're pretty much at full strength, and you would really say that we're we're at the races. I, I kind of want to uh, touch on what Brad said before, and he really really kind of reminded me of just how uh, how great the squad truly is, like the depth that we do have, and the the players on our roster. Um, we really just have no reason to fear any team, and I think that it becomes quite difficult uh, to kind of carry that mindset into these games when you go on a, through a bit of a bad patch or through a losing run. And it's easy to be really kind of uh, pessimistic and, and concerned that, uh, you know, the failure set in. But realistically, those nine days off, as, as Dan mentioned, or the nine days that we still have off is, is a huge opportunity for us to get correct a lot of really critical things around the club. And I think if they use this time wisely, it will be um, it'll be the perfect break for City, and, and I'm I'm positive. I, I don't know my optimism's been tested a lot lately, and I've had it, uh, perhaps unwarranted in uh, some of the games that, that we've uh, found ourselves on the receiving end of, um, especially highlighted in that Portsmouth result. But I, I do think that we can get a result against Lincoln, and I would be uh, I'd be really surprised if we didn't, given the fact that we've we're coming fresh off a break, and I think everyone will be incredibly hungry to uh, kind of. Correct some of the the wrongs that have happened in in recent times, and I don't think it could come soon enough. Absolutely, I say one nil,
1: one 0 I like I it. I like it, Brad.
3: Uh, I'm going to back my usual pessimistic trend of Tuesday night games, and I'm going to say that we're going to win two 0 We're going to look quite convincing, and this may or may not be correct. I'll have to check the facts later but I have a feeling we haven't lost a Tuesday night game at home at least this season and well into the last season in the first half of the season, of course. So in other words, please don't check that stat. It may or may not be correct, but I'm running with it. So 2-0, we score more goals than then we win. That's it.
1: Can I can I can I just say Brad, I just did a very very quick check. I oh, no. I just I just checked literally our last Tuesday night game against Blackpool and we did in fact lose it. But we'll go before then. Before then Was I, that I late think, game? No, right. Sorry? Late late game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the that <laughs> probably okay. before the b- before the Blackpool
0: game, I suspect you're probably yeah. right. Yeah, up
3: until that Blackpool game, yeah,
0: that's <laughs> right. <laughs> the um the only other thing I would just I didn't even think about it before, but Lincoln still plays. They play Burton only a couple of days before they play us. So that's um, a bit of fatigue yeah. maybe sets in for them and we'll be very fresh. So perhaps that will play a factor as well.
1: Yeah, and actually, because as, as I was sort of saying that we have that game in hand on Portsmouth, I was sort of realising as well that we'll actually have two games in hand on Portsmouth and a game in hand on Lincoln. So if Lincoln drop points against Burton, it means that if we beat Lincoln, we'd be ahead of them with a game in hand. So there's a lot of permutations to play out um, over the Christmas period. Um, and I think you're right, but I think everyone's right in, the, in talking about the fact that being rested over that period will be really, really good for us. Um, you know, I think it means that the players can probably have a relatively normal Christmas day, which is probably going to be good for their morale. It means we can get a decent training session in on Boxing Day. Everyone can come back in decent shape. And we can be fresh and focused on that Lincoln game, which should be should be in our favour, really. Because, yes, as, as we're saying, Lincoln have burden on uh, on Boxing Day, I think, so um, that will be uh, an interesting clash for them as well. I, I you know, I am one spitted, twice shy sort of thing. I think I'll, I'll agree with Logan and try and be optimistic on this one and go with a one 0 City win. Um, I think a lot does come down to the lineup. I think for me, um, Honeyman's more important than KLP. I think in a few ways. On-field, more important to have Honeyman. I think off-field, probably more important to have KLP for morale. But I think as long as at least Honeyman's in the lineup, I'll be um, feeling a little bit more optimistic about this one and uh, go with the 1-0 as well. Um, But that just about wraps things up, guys. Uh, Did anyone have any final thoughts before we signed off? No? All good? Okay, well, uh, thanks for joining me, Dan. No worries, man. Anytime. And thanks for joining me, Brad.
3: Thanks, Jets. Have a good Christmas, everyone.
1: You too. And thanks for joining me, Logan. Alex, my pleasure. No worries. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Um, as always, give us, give us a like on, uh, on YouTube, share the video around, share the video on uh, Twitter as well. Give us your thoughts on your favourite goal, favourite player and favourite game of the season so far uh, and what you thought of ours as well. Um, I think if you click the bell on YouTube, you'll actually get notifications for when these videos are about to go live. So um, hopefully people are able to, to join us live for these episodes, uh, which would be great. But um, otherwise, have a very Merry Christmas to everyone over in the UK. Everyone here at home in Australia as well. Most importantly, stay safe. Um, And, uh, yeah, let's hope for for a a better 2021 um, all-round, on-field and off-field. But uh, until next time. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter. At Hull City AFC Alls. The music was created by Amber and Black.
0: This is on fire.
1: We're going higher and higher.
3: There's no turning back, is your